Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, November 13th, 2023. Larry Johnson joins us now. Larry, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you, and welcome back to the show. Thanks, Judge. Um, Before we get into uh, the latest um, uh, events in Gaza, I want to speak to you a little bit about this craziness over the weekend, whereby the CIA leaked through its mouthpiece, the Washington Post, a bizarre story that a uh, Ukrainian colonel, either military or intelligence, is claiming that he orchestrated uh, the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any evidence for this at all. I don't know where this came from, why the CIA is leaking it, why the Washington Post went with it. Nobody else is going with it. What's your take on this nonsense? Well, the, the, the CIA has been desperate to come up with a counter narrative ever since uh, Cy Hirsch broke the story that this was, in fact, an off-the-books intelligence operation. And uh, so they, they initially came out, uh, you remember last year, that this was uh, six people on a boat. And I, I coined the term that it was, it reminded me of Gilligan's Island. You know, you had Skipper right, and right. Gilligan and Marianne, right. you know. And, and so this current guy that they ponied up is the new Alan Hell. You remember Alan Hell was the skipper on Gilligan. The skipper, right. You know, this, this guy's a skinny version. He sort of looks like Gilligan himself, actually, if you compare him. So uh, it, it, this all comes in the, in the context of this battle between, I think there's actually a brewing battle between CIA and British intelligence. A week ago, British intelligence was l- using The Economist magazine to put General Zaluzhny front forward as sort of the guy, their guy. He was allowed to be interviewed. He was writing an op-ed and he had an extensive piece uh, on their internet site. And it was clear that, uh, from my standpoint, those kinds of articles just don't happen. They're intelligence with a purpose. This was the Brits signaling they'd prefer to have Zaluzhny in there. Well, CIA didn't waste a minute. They punched right back. No, no, no. This Cherninsky, boy, he was Zaluzhny's guy. So this entire effort to blow up the, uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, that's on General Zaluzhny. That's not Zelensky's fault. So right now you see this this rift that has developed within the Ukrainian government. I think it's growing wider. And uh, somebody, you know, somebody's not going to come down for breakfast in a couple of weeks. So let me let me make sure I have this uh, your ideas straight. There is a rivalry. I mean, usually they work together, don't they? But you can talk about that in a minute. 
between MI6 and CIA over Ukraine. MI6 is siding with Zeluzhny. CIA is siding with Zelensky. Uh, uh, Zeluzhny makes a statement to The Economist uh, magazine, we're at a stalemate. Zelensky explodes in anger. Zeluzhny's uh, chief of staff uh, is assassinated. And now this character comes out of nowhere saying Zeluzhny uh, had me uh, orchestrate the destruction of the Nord Stream pipeline for which there's zero evidence. Right, right. Yeah, because you remember this is Ukrainian sources and U.S. sources going forward to the Washington Post said, yeah, yeah, it was, it's this guy who's been in jail for the last uh, 12 months. He did it. <laughs> so, and, and ultimately he works for Zeluzhny. So this is, you know, they've had a, Zeluzhny and Zelensky have had a longstanding rift. Uh, you know, going back uh, earlier this year in January, February, uh, Zeluzhny reportedly wanted to pull out of Bakhmut and uh, Zelensky is insisting, no, we're going to stay and fight to the last Ukrainian, which is sort of what they did. They got beat and uh, pushed out. Uh, so they're now doing the same thing with Avdivka, which apparently is a much more strategic location in the Donetsk. And that when they lose that, it's going to really unhinge their defense. In other words, cause the uh, the collapse of their defense in the Donetsk. So th there's a lot at stake here because Ukraine's ability to sustain itself in this war has been rapidly deteriorating, primarily because of the loss of men. But now they've also had loss of focus from the United States. U.S. isn't providing the weapons and, and the uh, money that it once was. And is Zeluzhny no, yeah. accurate when he says they're at a stalemate? Uh, no, he's inaccurate. A, a stalemate means you basically have equal, equal strength on either side. They don't have that. Uh, the Russians have massive uh, human strength in terms of recruits. They have plenty of fresh reserves that they can pour into the line, number one. Number two, the Russians have uh, a decisive firepower advantage in terms of artillery, airstrikes, uh, mortars. And so they are continuing to press that forward, and Ukraine doesn't have an answer for it. It'd be one thing if Ukraine was shooting down Russian aircraft. They're not. It'd be another thing if Ukraine was downing Russian missiles that were inbound to hit strategic locations in Ukraine. They're not doing that either. It'd be one thing if Ukraine had massive numbers of uh, Ukrainian men lining up to join and fight for freedom. They're not doing that either. In fact, they're recruiting pregnant women. They're oh. sending pregnant women to the front. There's already a video of one pregnant woman getting captured by the Russians saying, please don't hit me, I'm pregnant. Wow. There's not much that the, even the Republican Congress can do about this. What good is equipment if there's nobody to operate it? Yeah, the, 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 the U.S. Congress is sort of like a bad pimp. You know, we keep putting putting Ukraine out on the street to prostitute itself, but we never let we never give them any of the money that they they need to survive. And in fact, we're we're putting them into a situation that they can't win, and it, it's all predicated upon this notion that Russia is weak, falling apart. And that all we need to do is apply a little bit of pressure. And it's, it's, just, it's just not the case. The number of casualties that the Ukrainians are suffering is it's like nothing we've seen since maybe the Chaco War in South America in, in uh, more than a century ago. And that almost wiped out a generation of Paraguayan men. So we're, we're watching the same thing taking place in Ukraine. The, 
that that age range of 20 to 40 is so decimated that the ability of the Ukrainian population to grow, just to reproduce, to have babies, that's that's disappearing. And I don't I don't hear anything. I, I wonder if you do from your uh, sources, public and private, uh, from the neocons who got us into this mess. They're all talking about Israel. They're not even talking. Even, even Lindsey Graham. I haven't heard that crowd say anything. Uh, about well, Ukraine. Do they uh, recognize that it is over? No, absolutely not. And Ann Applebaum, who's one of the leading neocons, uh, she just penned a piece in, I think it was Atlantic. And uh, I mean, it's delusional. She's she's talking on the one hand about that Russia's uh, suffered the most terrible defeat, that Putin's embarrassed, that he's he's been humiliated. But then she does sort of admit way down in the piece that uh, yeah, if the United States doesn't keep funding Ukraine, they're done. They're it's over. Hello, and you know what nobody's talking about right now is there is still this uh, up in the air d- debate between the Republicans, Democrats, and the Biden administration over continued funding for the U.S. government. You know, the uh, the Republicans are signaling, okay, we'll we'll put money up for Israel, but we're not going to put any money up for Ukraine, or we'll put money up for Israel as long as it's tied to. Uh, providing more money to de- defend the border. And the Biden administration is coming back and saying, you know, uh, go pound sand. You're not, we're not going to do that. So has, has Joe Biden spent the full $113 billion in discretionary funds for Ukraine? Because Apparently, if he has, and the Republicans no. won't come up with more, how much longer can the Ukrainian government, can <clears throat> Ukrainian society yeah. even survive? Yeah, if, if the U.S. check, if, if there's no more money coming out of the United States and uh, there was a U.S. Uh, rep for the Agency for International Development saying they were tapped out. They had no no more money to send. That was last week. Uh, then, you know, Ukraine would be in uh, serious straits. It would be very difficult for them to survive uh, until the end of the year. Uh, you know, so it's we're, we're living on sort of that razor's edge. And it'd be one thing if Ukraine was the isolated phenomena, but it's not. Uh, the uh, Israeli... Uh, Palestinian war is sucking all the oxygen out of the air right now. Well, I don't think the Israelis have to worry about the Republican Congress or the Republican House losing uh, enthusiasm for them. Uh, I haven't heard anybody uh, there argue that what's happening in Gaza is a war crime and because they're they're knowingly using American uh, equipment and ammo with which we continue to furnish them. America is implicit in the war crime as well. Have you heard that? From anybody in the Congress? That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Oh, no, no. They, re- they totally rejected 
the meme in the United States is widely accepted is that uh, Israel is the David, Hamas, the Arabs, the Muslims are the Goliaths. Uh, David is fighting an honorable fight to uh, defend himself, and we must support him at all costs. What's not really reported, it's starting to trickle out today, <clears throat> is even though the head of Hezbollah, Nasrallah, in a speech on Saturday or sermon, did not come out and declare war and declare that they're going to escalate, what we have seen is increased attacks from Hezbollah on Israeli military and civilian sites in northern Israel. And then the United States has responded by bombing uh, sites that are believed to store Iranian weapons in Syria, weapons that uh, Hezbollah has access to. And then in response to that, Hezbollah or Iraqi resistance groups that are tied to Iran are attacking U.S. military bases and have stepped up those attacks and reportedly have even killed some U.S. military personnel within the last 24 hours. I so wanted You've got all that going on, and that's not really everybody's focused on Gaza as opposed to what's taking place now in the border of Israel. We're going to take a break for just a minute for a, um, a commercial announcement. When we come back, I want to talk to you, Larry, uh, about American deaths in the Middle East and why we don't know about it. But first this. Judge Napolitano here. The world is falling apart and the government wants to spend money to try and save it. The Israelis are defending themselves from the greatest onslaught in their history. Ukraine is collapsing. We are trying to fund both on borrowed money and borrowed time. The Federal Reserve keeps raising interest rates so everything you own is worth less and everything you earn can buy less. What can you do about it? You can buy gold and silver, the most stable commodity on the planet in the past 3,000 years. The government can't print more of it and can't interfere with it. Where should you buy your gold and silver? Do what I did and go to Lear Capital. Call 800-511-4620 or go to learjudgenap.com. You'll have a very interesting conversation with a very knowledgeable person. No heavy pressure. And if you want to diversify what's in your IRA from stocks and mutual funds, consider physical gold and silver. Ask about a gold-backed IRA IRA, you can take this information and discuss it with your spouse. And when you call, find out if you can qualify for up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver. Call today, 800-511-4620, learjudgenap.com. When you talk to them, tell them the judge sent you. Do your um, sources, Larry, tell you that uh, Americans have been killed in the Middle East, American military personnel? Uh, at least one, at least one. But what's more, I think, alarming is the increase in the number of uh, wounded U.S. military personnel coming out of Syria and Iraq <clears throat> because of these uh, groups that are linked to Iran because of the rocket missile attacks, mortar attacks on those bases. Uh, the Walter Reed Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland, I used to live five blocks from it, uh, is filling up with U.S. military personnel. You know, we, we've over the last year, we'd gone through a period where, fortunately, the wards of those uh, units of uh, that hospital were not filled with wounded U.S. military personnel. That's turned around. It, it, it has increased, and it's increased dramatically. And why are we in Iraq and Syria? And how many Good bases do we have there? <laughs> Good question. 
Well, can it looks like we're the same defend themselves. <laughs> one of the bases, the, the, the Arabs call it Al-Koniki uh, for Al-Konikum. So we've got U.S. military personnel protecting uh, oil sites uh, for uh, international oil corporations. So this is there. There is absolutely. As I, I asked one of my military buddies, you know, why are we there? And he goes, "That's a good question. We don't know. It makes no sense, because ultimately, what's going to happen is we do not. We're not in a position to reinforce and strengthen to protect those bases from these attacks. These attacks are going to continue. It may get to the point where one of them could even be overrun. You could wind up with a lot of dead Americans and or killed or captured, and so then at that point, it's going to push the United States to make a decision. Well, are we going to, quote, go all in? Well, how the hell do you go all in? Where are you going to base your, your troops? Where's your logistic supply route going to be? We used to think we could do that in Iraq, but the Iraq's turning quite hostile towards us as a result of what's taking place in Palestine, growing an anti-American sentiment. You've got diplomats from embassies in places like Baghdad warning Washington, D.C., that you know, the failure to speak out and to condemn uh, what's perceived in the Arab and Muslim world as war crimes against civilians is leading to a growth of anti-American sentiment that's alarming. Is, is the Western world beginning to recognize the uh, criminality uh, of the Israeli uh, defense forces uh, in Gaza, where we have about 10,000 civilians killed, we have far more Israeli soldiers killed than Hamas fighters killed. We have, notwithstanding the U.S. protestations to the contrary, a million seven hundred thousand Palestinians displaced, and we have Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, saying we're in charge of security; we'll stay there as long as we want. Yeah, Netanyahu keeps changing his position a little bit. I mean, he he did say that the other day. And then it sounded like he backed off from that. Uh, I, I think Israel's really, they're thrashing about trying to figure out now what to do. Because militarily, the campaign on the ground to, quote, destroy Hamas is not going that well. It's going very slowly. And they are proceeding cautiously in terms of inserting ground troops and launching attacks on specific locations from the ground. Their air campaign has been indiscriminate. Uh, they keep killing the civilians, and the images of dead women and children, particularly babies, keep popping up on social media. They're spreading throughout the Arab and Muslim world. They're spreading actually throughout the, the rest of the world. It, in Europe, it's, it's evoking tremendous protests in France, in the UK. Uh, even, it, so th this is it's, the momentum of it's growing. And Israel is finding itself increasingly isolated. Just just the other day, you had you had over fifty uh, foreign ministers and leaders of Arab and Muslim nations assemble for uh, an emergency meeting of uh, the Arab Islamic Council in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so just the fact that they're coming together that quickly to uh, speak out about this means that Israel's not winning friends; they're uh, they're, they're losing friends. Let me show you how out of touch uh, with reality is the American government, Jake Sullivan, uh, for uh, Chris, on um, who governs Gaza. Secretary Blinken has been clear that it's the West Bank and Gaza that need to be under unified control and the Palestinian Authority likely to govern that. 
it doesn't sound like the Netanyahu government is on the same page as the Biden administration, because the prime minister said something very different just yesterday. Well, from our perspective, the way forward, the basic principles of the way forward are straightforward. And this is something that Secretary Blinken laid out publicly this past week. No reoccupation of Gaza, no forcible displacement of the Palestinian people. Gaza can never be used as a base for terrorism in the future, and Gaza's territory should not be reduced. Secretary Blinken also said that ultimately we do want to see the reconnection, the reunification of control between uh, the West Bank and Gaza under Palestinian leadership. The Palestinian Authority is the current leadership on the West Bank. But ultimately, it's going to be up to the Palestinian people to decide their future, who governs them. There haven't the been United elections States held will in support ages. support a process. Well, that's right, Margaret. There haven't been elections held since the early 2000s. But post-October 7th, we can't go back to the way things were on October 6th. So no displacement. What are you talking about? A million seven hundred thousand yeah. people have been uh, displaced. Uh, the the Palestinians can choose their own leadership. Netanyahu would never allow uh, any kind of vote. Could could you imagine the Palestinian Authority and Hamas joining hands by a free uh, electoral vote and and the Netanyahu government uh, allowing it? All of this uh, causes me to ask: What is the policy of the American government? Joe Biden says he's wedded at the hip to the Israelis and always has been his entire political career. I get it. I get the domestic politics, but he can't have it both ways. They're war criminals. What they're doing is worse than what Hamas did to them. Yeah. Well, and the problem here is that there is no coherence in U.S. policy. And Netanyahu is not going to listen to the Biden administration as long as he knows that the members of Congress are going to support it. Because it, it is untenable for Biden to veto a congressional bill that authorizes sending billions of dollars to Israel. That's just not going to happen. And yet what we're seeing in the newspaper today is that the Biden administration reportedly is telling Israel, you, you do not strike up in Lebanon. Do not strike Hezbollah and saying that the United States is not going to up and hit Hezbollah targets in Lebanon, even though some in the Pentagon are pressing Biden to do that. Uh, if that's true, that's one of the first sane things I've heard Biden say or do, uh, because he is correct that if the United States starts intervening again in Lebanon, just like we did back in 1983, and we start attacking Hezbollah positions, Hezbollah and Iran will come back after us. And I don't think we're ready for that counterattack. Is, so, is you know, over the weekend, Nasrallah, I think you wrote about this, Larry, the head of Hezbollah, I don't know his first name, maybe that's his only name, Nasrallah, um, said that Hezbollah has Hamas's back. Hezbollah will never allow Hamas defeated by the idea. Correct, correct. No, that's right. And uh, the, the, the difference between the Hezbollah of, say, 30 years ago and the Hezbollah of today, uh, it is probably uh, the second or third best equipped trained army in the Middle East. It, mm. is, it, it has a sizable force, sizable capability, and it, you know, it doesn't go out and flaunt it and march, you know, march around in victory parades. But Israel is not going up against a bunch of uh, junior varsity players. Um, th these guys are full-on varsity, and they have beaten Israel before. That's what people forget. 
in the 2006 Lebanese war in southern Lebanon, Hezbollah fought Israel to a standstill and compelled Israel ultimately to retreat. How much patience do you think uh, <clears throat> Turkey, Lebanon, Iran, Jordan will have with these, with, with the people in those countries seeing the pictures on the news every night uh, of the uh, slaughter in God? Well, it, it's, it's like putting on an additional piece of weight, you know, weightlifter holding a barbell over his head and you keep adding weight. And it comes a point where the weight gets so great, it collapses. And I think you, you've got this growing anger because the images keep coming every day and the situations grow more desperate. And then Israel tops it off by attacking directly the hospitals, even though they said that they weren't attacking the hospitals. Now they say they're attacking the hospitals, claiming that they're Hamas headquarters bases. And the first one that they capture, I'm sure, are they going to try to show the Hamas tunnels? I think that's going to fall flat. Uh, so they're, they're really Israel mi militarily cannot win this in terms of, if winning means gain control of the territory to pacify it, they can't do it. Uh, they don't have a large enough army and they're not willing to take the casualties that would be required to do so. Larry Johnson, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you Thanks, again. Judge. At the end of the See you again at the end of the week with that youngster, McGovern. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Coming up at 3 o'clock this afternoon, Eastern, Tom DiLorenzo, professor of economics, economic historian, expert on Abraham Lincoln, new president of the Mises Institute, succeeded my dear friend um, uh, Jeff Deist. Uh, professor DiLorenzo will be talking about the death of American exceptionalism. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.